Welcome to another Rightly Dividing Podcast. Hi, so I'm going to start to tackle the first three chapters of Genesis. I have written a manuscript on it, and... I really want to share some things that I have come to know about Genesis. A little bit about my background. I am a graduate from a fundamental Baptist college, and in that college we were taught um, the young earth creationist view, and you know we weren't allowed to be exposed to other viewpoints. I mean, yes, they mentioned other viewpoints, but they didn't mention it in a way that was fair. In other words, it was, this is wrong and this is right, instead of, here's two opposing um, viewpoints. So, I always had a problem with a, a, um, a Christian scientist named Hugh Ross, because I believed he had, he had an old earth view, and therefore he was uh, compromising or he was wrong. And I also had the idea that all scientists who didn't believe in creation had a uh, agenda to prove the Bible wrong. I'm ashamed of having these views, but unfortunately I did. And so in my journey of more about 40 years of studying the Bible, I started realizing that um, I had questions uh, during that time. The one question that always puzzled me was, how could stars be a million light years away, 100,000 light years away, and the earth be only 6,000 years old? I also came across, because I started broadening my, my mind to who I would be listening to, and I started listening to Christians and I will name one of them, Tim Mackey, who talked about Genesis a lot. And it wasn't he wasn't talking about Genesis from this point of trying to prove whether the earth is old or young. He was talking about Genesis as what it meant. And this was revolutionary to me. Uh, I started saying, wait a minute, there's things I've never seen before. So I determined in myself that I was going to go back and I was going to start reading Genesis from a fresh perspective, not from what I've been taught how I should read it, but from how I wanted to read it. And I started looking up resources. I started listening to um, different lectures. I I like lectures a lot, so I found as many of those I could. Um, Some good ones on the Henry Institute, uh, the Bible Project, and just various others. I got audiobooks. I started listening to those. And so I ended up writing a manuscript for a book that I'm trying to get uh, into people's hands, but I really want some peer reviews, which is becoming a difficult thing for me to have. But anyway, so I started looking at Genesis from a different um, viewpoint. And I think it's important for us to do that. Genesis is not 
a scientific book. A lot of people, there's this kind of argument that people will have about Genesis where, you know, some say it's historical and then others will say it's it's poetry. And it's not poetry. Genesis is not poetry. Anybody who says it's poetry doesn't understand the Hebrew language. It is a narrative. But here's the point. There are different types of narrative. And Genesis is not a historical narrative in the sense that it is to be taken as this happened and that happened and that happened in a, in a, in a direct order or in a uh, linear fashion. Uh, it's not meant to do that. And you may disagree with me on that, but you have to stick with me as I go through this because there's many key indicators of that. First of all, one of them I can start out with saying is we have to think back about when Genesis was written. Genesis is a very early book. I mean, Moses' books are considered the earliest books of the Bible. And if you are any sort of a scholar, you will know that um, there is actually a debate whether Moses could have written it, uh, the books he wrote at the time because there wasn't, as we know, an alphabet, a, a Hebrew alphabet that was around. In fact, alphabets were very uncommon. If I'm not the biggest expert, there might not even been any. Because if you if you understand that when they look back in ancient archaeology, they find hieroglyphics. They find uh, little characters that represent things. In fact, some of the Oriental languages are still that way today. So uh, having an alphabet was um, something that people, I mean, that was not really common. So people couldn't even read. Uh, in fact, I saw a documentary on the Bronze Age, and the the scribes were trained in this, and they were they were kind of like people who are trained in computer science today, and and can you know program computers. They make good money, and they're considered really smart. Well, the scribes back in their day were higher educated people, and oftentimes from this documentary, the kings couldn't even read, and the the scribes would read what was written from one scribes from one king's scribe to another king's. And that was communicated. So we have to think of Genesis in these terms. Genesis was a story, a verbal story. Yes, it was written down eventually, but even when it was written down, it had to be passed on to most people as a story they could remember verbally. And it's important that when you're dealing with something that has to be verbally remembered, you have to use cues, you have to use a format, you have to use a structure that's easy to remember. And I think this is important for those who um, read Genesis. They have to read it this way. The next thing I want to say is just because it's old doesn't mean it ha doesn't have value or it can't tell us anything. If Genesis is really written by God for people of all ages, then it has to speak to people of all ages. In other words, God couldn't write it so that only man in the in the 20th and 21st century could understand because we understand science. He couldn't write it for us, and then all these people in the past were like clueless to it. It would be better for him to write it for people in the past 
and we have the capability of going back and seeing how people viewed the world in the past, and therefore we can we can understand Genesis today if we're willing to do that. And so Genesis was written for all people of all times, and I think the easiest way for you to understand the first chapter of Genesis is to simply walk outside with it in your hand and look at the universe around you, the world around you, and say, this is what it's talking about. Um, one of the things I mean, well, I'll get to this later, but just one of them I'll get to right now is there's this huge controversy over what the water was above the firmament. And that water above the firmament is called clouds. It, it, why make it more complicated than it is? Everybody knows that there's water in the sky up above the, the firmament where the birds fly, and that water periodically falls from the sky, and why make it more complicated than that? We want to do that because we think we have scientific explanations of how that could be. Well, it didn't matter to them back then. All they, all they cared about was it rained once in a while to make sure they had crops so they could live. So this is today's starting of, of the podcast. I hope that it, I have um, whet your appetite for more, but we're going to look at Genesis in a way that I think will, it blows my mind to understand this, and I think it will be very beneficial to whoever wants to listen to it, and I think it'll go a long way in bridging the gap between um, people who have faith in science and people who have don't have faith in science but and argue over Genesis. Thank you. Have a good day. Hey, Please share this podcast. There's a way to share it. If you're on the Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, Anchor FM, there's a way to share. I would really appreciate if you would share this podcast with others. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Uh, we'll get to you next time.